It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. You got a lot going on in this office. It's much more interesting than mine. What do you mean? I just don't have, I don't have tchotchkes. I need some. I have stickers on my window. I don't have a window either, I'm a little jealous. Where's your office, in your basement? Yeah, but it's currently being renovated, as you know. I heard. <laughs> Tim, you weren't there yesterday, but when he was directing me, last take. You know I couldn't hear it. You couldn't? No. Well, I, I could hear it. I'm, I'm sure not having that in the, in the recording. What are you guys doing? So Just it's a full reno. Um, we live in a 70s ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a foreclosure, and it's got four acres. It's 4,400 square feet to house all the children. I have four kids. Everything's in fours. Um, <laughs> but, so we're, this is the last room to be renovated. We've already gutted all the bathrooms. Um, I don't know. We did paint, flooring, all that stuff. Do you have a you new house a or old house? You going to get a window? I don't want a window. It's too reflective. And that the the angle of the house, Those I'm actually mirrors. pushed up against a hill. You're thinking of mirrors. <laughs> Should we get started? Let's do it. All right. Well, you have notes. I have no notes. I can give you notes. <laughs> no, it's fine. All right. Hit I'm sitting with here with Tracy Lindley, voice artist. That'll work. All right. How you doing? I'm excellent. Good. It's a pleasure being in your office. It's so nice and bright in here and fun. It is. I have a window. Some art. Great art. Nerf guns. You got to play a little. Skateboard in the corner. That's will stay there. It's a shoulder dislocation, so <laughs> Michael's not allowed back on that one. <laughs> I ended up in the ER after a skateboarding accident, so I hear you. Well, I was a little too old to be on it anyway, and thought I was in my thirties again. And I just don't have any coordination. That takes a lot of that. Yes. And thank you for driving all the way up here. Of course. Do you come into the city often? Not a whole lot, because I work from home. I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> I really wouldn't. I mean, and I want and we'll talk about that later, you know, because you do work from home, and it sounds like you have some nice land there. It's cozy. Exactly. Why leave your zip code? Well, because I get to see people. I get lonely sometimes, so this is actually really mm-hmm. great. I get to put on real pants, come and see people. <laughs> All right. Okay. What do you listen to on the way over here? Or nothing? I was listening to an audiobook on Audible. I got a membership last year, haven't used all my credits, and then I find myself listening to free things. <laughs> I love audiobooks and podcasts. So that's uh-huh. when I, you were like, be on my podcast. I'm like, yay, I love podcasts. Do you? I really do. Which ones do you listen to? I listen to all kinds of stuff. Um, if, it just depends on my mood. I'm very driven by what I want to learn, consume, be entertained by. Or I'll listen to music. Do you subscribe to pod, certain podcasts? Um, one of my favorites is The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe, because it's a great storytelling uh, venue, and it actually helps me as a voice actor to listen to his natural storytelling delivery, but storytelling is so wrapped up in what I do that that interests me. I love stories. I do a lot of, uh, I listen to fictional things, but I also like true stories, but I'm not a true crime person. Are you a true crime person? No. That stuff will keep me up at night. 
No. It'll have me looking out the windows, checking the locks on my door. I don't need that. Most <laughs> women I ask that question to, those listen to crime podcasts. I would like to know why women are targeted as the people that listen to true crime. Is are it because we're nosy? Are we nosy? <laughs> are they targeted or do they just happen to gravitate to it? No, I think it's become a stereotype at this point because I've seen it in different scripts. Like how women are into... What, ice cream, sweatpants, and true crime? Well, you know, I asked this question once years and years ago. Why are there so many NCIS, CSIs, all these crime shows on major networks in primetime slots? And I'm like, because mm. people eat it up. I don't I'm know. Like, I guess. I watched the whole, all, all the seasons of The Mentalist, but what I enjoyed about that was the mystery and also just the observance that the main character had with unraveling the tale. I was like, what can I observe about people that could actually serve me well in life? Mm. I was just talking to one of my clients yesterday about uh, guitar playing. So if I were a detective, I would notice a lot of times people have like the one pinky finger or whatever that they pick guitar with. A, a truly observant person would be able to what look around and notice some detail that would tell you something about their life or their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But I'm not an actual detective. <laughs> <laughs> what book were you listening to? Uh, I forget the name of it. I'm almost at the end. It's it's an uh, Audible original, but it's uh, it's a Chinese American uh, author and narrator. So I enjoy. I've been enjoying learning more about the culture and just you know racial stereotypes and all kinds of things that I I haven't experienced in my own life. So I'm trying to learn more about that. Nice. Yeah, I love listening to podcasts. Um, obviously, that was the catalyst for starting this one. Um, what are some of your favorites? Um, well, my all-time favorite is uh, Yeah, Dude. Tell me about it. It's uh, Jonathan Larroquette and Seth Romatelli. They started in 2006, um, pretty much before anyone was podcasting. It was Jonathan Larroquette's idea. He had to talk Seth into it. And um, it's really just them just talking. They do have some kind of evergreen stuff they do, like a USA Today polls and um, some Dear Abby type stuff that they read and then do commentary on. But it's a lot of fun. I actually contribute through Patreon to them every month. That's amazing. Because they do not um, take ads. They're That's going to be one of the oldest podcasts ever. It is. It's one of the very first. I mean, because the iPhone came out in what, 2005? The and- iPod. Because the iPodcast was a function of the iPod. Interesting. Remember? I don't the wheel? think I was really paying much attention to podcasts at that time. But yeah, I totally remember the iPod. With the wheel? Oh, yeah. And there was a, a, a menu on there on the little black and white 8-bit yep. menu that it, had a podcast. And that's, you know, that's right around when, when Jonathan started his. Anyway, it's my favorite. Um, that one, I listened to um, uh, the Bloomberg just because if I don't catch it live, I can catch it mm-hmm. there. Um, Neil Brennan started a new podcast that I like. Bill Maher started a new podcast. It's a supplement to real time. I've been listening to that. So kind of a little bit all all over, but those are the ones I subscribe to. It's good to have variety. Yeah. Keeps you not keeping not bored and in the loop. Yeah, and I like listening to to people talk. Again, I get to learn and I'm a very curious person, obviously. Um, but I also like music sometimes. Yeah. But we need it all. I do. I do. Um, so for everyone listening, 
because we had a long start there. Tell everyone what you do. Well, I'm a voice actor, and what that means for me is, uh, first, you have to kind of understand what genres you're going to go into. So as much as I love to listen to audiobooks, I never record audiobooks. I don't have the attention span for it, um, and it's just, I, I have a... I just love to turn the project around quickly and get the client what they need. So I specialize in commercials, which is the shortest of all the vo- of all the voiceover genres. And then I also do a lot of corporate narration and some longer form e-learning, like when people train their employees and stuff. Somebody's gotta somebody's gotta narrate all that stuff. So as unsexy as it is to do training for um, you know for different companies, it's it's a great way to earn a living. It allows me to have a very flexible lifestyle and meet a lot of really cool people. Obviously. And you're represented through an agency and you work on your own? Yeah, I have several different agents um, across the U.S. and even a, oh, really? a couple international. But um, my local one in Kansas City is Talent Unlimited, mm-hmm. and I actually get to go have lunch with Tracy right after this. Tracy Turner is my agent over there. Fantastic company. And... Um, yeah, but I also do my own work. Um, a small percentage of what I do goes through my agents, but most of my work, I'm going to go with, gosh, 80% maybe at least is me getting my own clients. And that, so That doesn't surprise me. Well, I'm kind of a go-getter. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, my sister and brother are both entrepreneurs. So we just really like working for ourselves, doing our own thing, following our passion. What did your father do? Um, he sold guns and knives. He was in that scene in the 80s and 90s. No way. I know. So I, as a seven-year-old, I'm like hauling around I like rifles. I already. <laughs> well, he passed away actually a couple of years ago, but Sorry. he taught me a lot. Man, he had us out there trimming hedges. Um, I was the kid that would bake cookies and like go sell them door to door, like literally that kid always trying to make a buck. I don't even think I did anything with it. I just saved it. I didn't really care about the actual return. I just wanted to meet people, have something to do, have a purpose. What did your mom do? Um, she was a homemaker. It was the eighties and Mm nineties and she wasn't a working woman. Did you grow up on land? Um, no, no. We actually grew up in a suburban neighborhood. So that's something you and your husband sought out on your own. He's from the country, oh, okay. so he had to have the land. I was fine either way, but okay. I actually really like it now. And we do live right outside city limits, but on on four acres uh, with very few neighbors. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Ideal. It's great to have some space. So you said you don't have the attention span for audiobooks? No way. What's your, what's your cutoff? Because you can do, you said you can do long format and corporate stuff. Yeah, I would consider long form to be anything over five minutes. Um, I think that is, uh, you know, if I had to put a definition on it. But I'll do stuff hour, hour and a half, and then there's usually several files that you have to split up and send them so they can put this audio on this slide to go through the presentation. So that's a very common thing that voice actors do is a lot of that audio editing. So we have to be really good at that too, which I had no experience in when I first started. I didn't even know what voice acting was, but I had an internship and um, I was a communication major. So I was just kind of looking for something, you know, I mean, look back at when you were in college, you didn't probably know what in the world you were going to do. What'd you, what'd you get a degree in? Uh... Communication theory and practice. Okay, so we're kind of on the same page, and look where we ended up. <laughs> well, yeah, it took me six years. Well, um, I finished in four, but it doesn't matter because then I got out and had no idea what to do with it. But um, so I, I go ahead. Oh well, I went into um, 
I became a auto adjuster. So I worked, uh, worked claims and that'll teach you a lot about humanity in a real fast <laughs> way. Um, I dealt with a lot of unhappy people mm-hmm. and I learned a completely different field cause I don't come from an auto background. So I just learned on the job and trained and worked hard. There were some long hours, especially in the summer. People tend to hit a lot of deer around here. (laughs) So that was pretty much my job is long, long hours, not getting paid for it. So when I kind of discovered the freelance life, I was like, wow, I don't have to work these crazy hours and I can make way more than I was making in the corporate world. So it's been a great fit. Talk to me about international representation. Do you speak other languages or is it strictly for English in other... Yeah, I, I don't pretend to be bilingual or anything, but um, you know, beyond my high school Spanish, which is long gone, then I, I don't, I don't. But um, it's actually there are a lot of requests for a native American neutral accent in other countries because mm-hmm. um, you know English is kind of one of the international languages of the world, and so they need somebody to speak that neutrally, not somebody that it's their second language because right. they don't want the accent. But because of technology, you know, just talking about how far podcasts have come, voice acting's come a really long way. Um, I started in 2014, so I wasn't there for the kind of the golden age when you had to go into the studio. And some people even have told me stories about reel to reel and doing it that way. Unfortunately, I don't know anything about that world. Hmm? You're fresh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's nine years now, so I don't know about I don't know about fresh. I'm actually kind of becoming a veteran in the industry. I'm like one of the old ladies out there because there's so oh, much. Come on. Well, 2020 brought in a huge drove of people that wanted to become voice actors because suddenly everybody was home, so it became one of the number one professions that people wanted to get into. Seriously? Yes. So there's a ton of competition, but that doesn't mean that people do it well. No, yeah, I mean, that's that's anything. Yeah, I really think to get established, there's a number of skills you have to have, but, you know, cold reading skills, cold reading meaning you've never seen the script before, enunciation without over-enunciating something is really important, speaking naturally and conversationally, even in corporate or um, e-learning type of settings, that's really important, having a great work ethic and a mind for people. You enunciate very well, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, you know, the way you hit the T in corporate just the, <laughs> was nice. And I don't even I, think about it. I noticed it yesterday. We worked together yesterday. You and I did. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that for everyone listening, obviously. Um, and you and I haven't worked together in a while. Tim yeah. usually produces you. And so working with you, it's, it's different and um, not different, but I mean, I haven't worked with you and, and I do pick up on things. I notice, like, wow, she really hits every letter. <laughs> well, when you have a quick ad, and especially at the rate that I have to speak for, for this particular client, it has to come out fast. There's no time to actually just kind of linger on the words. So they have to come fast and furious. And for people to understand it, I've got to, I teach my kids, I'm like, open your mouth. You know, kids tend to kind of mumble. So I feel like it's a learned skill. Even adults will mumble, talk under their breath, not open their mouth. And those are things you got to think about is the body mechanics of, of what we do. But the whole message has to become clear. You know, we're sending a message. Um, it's not proper communication because we're not receiving a message in return. But we're sending a message and that message has to be received uh, clearly and in a way that is 
you know, pleasing to the ear. So while we're there, do you do vocal exercises before you do a job? I know. I don't. You don't? But I talk on the phone a lot. I'm talking to my kids. I'm talking to my husband. I feel like I just naturally warm up my voice anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't read a script too many times before. Usually I'll just read it through one time because I don't want to get in a rut of how I'm going to say it in case you come in and say, like yesterday, you you gave me some different directions. You're like, okay, now I want you to say this with a, with a little chuckle. I mean, I haven't got that direction in a really long... Actually, I don't even remember if anybody's ever given me that direction. I know exactly what I want. Yes. Well, that's great. I love a client that knows what they want because it makes my job easier. Or they say... I'm not really, you know, I want this sort of vibe. Like, these are the emotions that I want. Now, you do it your way, but this this is how I want the general feel. Mm-hmm. And usually I'll nail it. But I really like that you gave me a bit of a challenge yesterday. It made it, it, made it really fun. Good. I'm going to give you more challenges then. Tim's, Tim's like listening. I'm going to have to give her more challenges. <laughs> you're, in, you're in trouble now. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to write next month real loose and give you a lot of breathing room to see what yep. you can do with it. Um, <laughs> you better talk to the client first. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> They're very happy. Good. Yeah. Do you protect your voice? I mean, yeah, I don't scream. I, was, I did go to a basketball tournament over the weekend, last, you know, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, you know, I have to cheer for my daughter. And I have to also, I feel a need to lead the other parents in the cheering. Because, I mean, you've played sports, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're out there on the court, you need that encouragement. I played golf. <laughs> <laughs> so the opposite of cheering, everyone be quiet. In tennis. <laughs> okay. Those may be the two quietest sports possible. <laughs> so not so much with so the no, cheering. No one was cheering for no us. No one was cheering. Well, what about at the end? Can you get excited then? In fact, during golf, we would try to get away from people because, you know, you're in high school. and anyway. That's funny. Um, <laughs> okay, well, team sports, we cheer. <laughs> so my daughter's playing basketball, and I'm leading. I'm like, okay, parents, let's get involved. But then no, I found right. out. I know. I played Little League. I'm sorry. Well, you know, then I find out from the coach that, we need to have general type of cheering. Make sure you're not coaching from the bench. I didn't do it. One of the other parents did, and he got a look. But um, anyway, so I was cheering pretty loudly, um, and I got real excited. They took second in the tournament, so my voice was not so much protected. But I felt like it was worth the sacrifice, and I do drink a lot of water. I'm constantly drinking water, and I feel like that protects my voice. I, do a, I take a lot of vitamins every day because getting sick affects me to where I can't work. You know, if I get the common cold, it's game over. If it's really bad. You don't sound like the person they hired. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. I have to constantly be consistent with my mm-hmm. sound. Um, but I, I kind of have a little bit of a raspy voice anyway. So a lot of times when I get a cold, people don't even notice. Okay. It kind of works out. <laughs> but I mean, that it makes perfect sense because they're hiring you based on how you sounded on that in- mp3 or whatever demo that that they heard you on or live read you did for them or whatever and all of a sudden you're an octave higher or lower because you're you're sick can't have that no no you can't but but are you so you're the cheer this is gonna come out wrong you're the cheerleader (laughs) you i'm a leader no matter where i go okay okay (laughs) so I just think, you know, people are kind of looking for a leader in a lot of scenarios. Just think about your personal life. No, no, no. I get it. But somebody wants somebody that's going to say, hey, let's go out Friday night and let's do this. That's a leadership activity. Somebody has to take charge or nobody's going anywhere or doing anything. Amen. 
So Peace. I think the world needs leaders. The world doesn't necessarily need followers, but I would say that we have to work together and lend ideas to each other. But usually somebody has to start the ball rolling. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Character voices? No. I mean, I'm the frantic mom, or I'm like the really sick of the world, you know, world-weary mother. You know, that was one of my characters, if you will. But no, I don't do like Minnie Mouse and stuff like that. <laughs> Let somebody else do that. I just play me, but different moods. <laughs> and I have a lot moods. of them. <laughs> I am a character, so I don't feel the need to play one. <laughs> Question we both take drinks at the same time. Well, I saw you that doing it. That was terrible it. timing. Do you know, that's the human way, though. When we see somebody else doing something, we emulate them. We don't even think about Do it. Do you know this podcast is sponsored by LaCroix? Is it? Uh-huh. LaCroix sparkles, so you don't have to. <laughs> you want to do a LaCroix live read? I feel like we're going to have a branding problem. I'm waiting we... for a phone call. <laughs> I think coming. that's a great tagline. Uh, LaCroix sparkles, so you don't have to. But we want to sparkle too, so that no, doesn't no. work. Think about it. Think about it for for the ad copy. You know, you have a bad day. You wake up. You're not feeling it. It's Monday morning. He has a Lacroix because Lacroix sparkles, so he doesn't have to. I feel like we it's would like want... staying at the Holiday Inn, right? That was their whole shtick. <laughs> Did you come up? No, I didn't. But I stayed at a. You know, you're in a great mood, Tracy. Well, actually, I just had a. Well, I don't know. I, I would rather I would rather sparkle myself, but if it could lend me some sparkle, there you go. Okay. I usually rely on coffee for that. Coffee brings out the sparkle in me. Gotcha. All right, so you said 2014 you started voiceover work. Yeah. What did you do before that? Well, I did the auto adjusting. Oh, you went straight from that into voice? Yeah. How'd you get into that? Um, because I had a communication degree, I had an internship. And for a hot minute, I thought maybe I would be an ad exec. So for a semester, I worked at a cable company. I don't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know in college, okay? Don't judge the 19-year-old. But anyway, I go and I do the internship, but it is the worst possible career direction for me. But I stuck it out for the semester and realized that I am not a person who enjoys sales, cold sales, hitting the streets, knocking on doors. Not me. I'm a go-getter, but I did not like that aspect of the job. So after a semester, it was see you later. But while I was there, one of the producers comes up, hands me a piece of paper, says, hey, you have a nice voice. Will you read this? And um, so I get into the padded closet with the microphone that they have there. And I did three takes, never having done it before. They were so happy with it. They said that I did have good enunciation, I had a great sense of timing, and I knew where to inflect, go up or down, um, and, and which words to hit. And so that's something that's in me, and I think it, it came from reading out loud a lot. When I was younger, I did a lot of babysitting, I volunteered at the library. Reading out loud is a skill that's becoming a little bit lost. We have to, it's like, who do you read out loud to? You feel like really stupid just reading out loud to yourself. So it's almost like you need an audience, and a child is a fantastic audience for that. I was just reading to my kid out loud this morning um, while we were waiting to go into school. I, you know, we'd gone to the library. She had a book she wanted me to read. I didn't have time earlier. So we're reading Llama Llama, sitting in the parking lot, and I was like, man, I miss these days. She can read herself. The youngest I have now is seven. So she can read mm-hmm. great, but kids love to be read to. 
Um, but anyway, the producer handed me the piece of paper. I did the voiceover, and then I had no idea what it was called. But um, over the years, he just kind of kept contacting me and saying, hey, will you record this? Will you record this? The pay was very bad, but it was a lot better than selling plasma, which is what I did in college to make money and put myself through. So that and various jobs. My husband made fun of me. I think my record was like eight W-2s in one year because I'd just start a job and if they didn't if I didn't like it or if I, you know, I wasn't getting the hours I wanted or if they didn't let me go to this event, I just quit. And I'd get a new one, a new one, because everyone kept hiring me. Not my problem. But anyway, um, over the years, yeah. So by baby number three, it was the end of 2013. Um, I was carrying this little child around in a carrier, and they're like, you know that you can do... I said, I, I, I can't keep coming into your office. And they're like, well, you know you can do this from home, right? No, actually, I didn't. They're, he's like, yeah, this is called voiceover. That's all it took. So I start researching it and quickly learned just a ton about it. I did a lot of research before I ever even tried anything. And then when I did, you know, of course, you don't know what you don't know or you don't have the right setup. I literally had a refrigerator cardboard box with some egg crate foam in it. Yep. (laughs) And like a blue microphone, a USB, stuck it in my computer. Needless to say, I didn't get hired, um, but I was very enthusiastic, kept trying, kept auditioning. Um, Were you with your agency? No. At okay. the, um, there's online casting platforms, too. Right. One of the most popular one is Voices.com. I don't do that one, though. I, do, I like Voices. Voice123. I'm also with Bedalgo, which has almost exclusively European clients. Um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of avenues, but... Uh, online casting is a great way for anybody interested in voiceover to get your feet wet, to get those auditions, to get a lot of practice in. Probably won't get hired much because there's a ton of competition, but it's a great way to practice and kind of get a feel for recording, editing, timing, all of that good stuff. How did you get introduced to Talent Unlimited? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I just started researching what was around, and Kansas City is the closest city to me. So there's there are some other talent agents, but this one is the one that I resonated with the most. I think someone introduced me long ago, and I can't. It's terrible that I can't remember who it was, unless I just sent a cold email in my demo, which is possible. I did that to a lot of agents, mm-hmm. and some take you, and some don't. So you have to be able to deal with rejection in this business. Yeah, I get a, a lot of direct emails. Oh, you do for oh, yeah. for people to come work with you uh, for voiceover work, acting work, producing work, writing work, all types of things. Do you look at all of them, or you don't have the time? I don't look at all of them, no. To be honest, um, but I look at the ones I can. So, what are you looking for in a voice talent? Well, that's a loaded question because it depends on the job. Yeah, um, it depends on the script, depends on the campaign. So. You know, sometimes I need, it has to be a character voice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it has to be you. Sometimes it needs to be, you know, it just depends on the job. Sure. Um, Oh, you can't blame us for trying, right? (laughs) Direct marketing is how I get most of my clients. So No, I I love it. I don't blame anyone for trying it. Um, That's how I've met some of the greatest people. That's how I met my uh, graphic designer. Oh, awesome. She walked in one day. Handed off her resume and a business card. Business card had a fox on the back back of it. And I really like foxes. It was a watercolor. Hmm. And I held on to it and I kept it. I keep things obviously around that I enjoy. <laughs> Your office is eclectic. <laughs> and so I kept it around. 
And I don't know, it was like six months later, <clears throat> I needed to fill that position. And you thought of her because she, she had the fox. Uh, she had the temerity to come in. Yeah. That's the person I want to hire. The go-getter. Mm-hmm. That's a cool story. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you work at Fasoni, you, you, um, you can't really be managed, you know, pretty loose over here. Anyway, um, so explain for, so you work with us mm-hmm. on one of our clients. Explain to someone listening who doesn't know our industry, how do you get your voice on TV? Well, a lot of times... Or do you want to talk about the audition process that you went through for 7th Street Casino? Okay, so that one, I'll tell the story about that. Um, Because I'm with Talent Unlimited, you reached out to them and said, hey, we are looking for a new voice for this account, and we need some some options. This is what I assume. All that I know is I get an audition coming through from Tracy. Well, yeah, I don't know who sent it to me. But anyway, Talent Unlimited sent me the audition, and they said... You know, they're looking for a new brand voice. And anytime I see that in an email, I really give it even more, let's just say 120% instead of my usual 110, right? So I'll really try to get the account if I know it's an ongoing project. Because usually when I see an audition come through, it's for a one-time thing. You don't really know if it's going to go anywhere else. But a lot of times, if you do a great job, they would like to keep you around and keep the same brand voice because I I am the voice of some other different brands um, around the whole country. Um, But anyway, so I see that there's this email. They're looking for a brand voice. I'm like, okay, it doesn't hurt to give it a shot. So I do the audition. I send it in. I forget about it because that's how you have to do it as a voice actor. You cannot agonize over every single audition and, will they like me? Could I have done this better? Like, you'll kill yourself doing that. You weren't calling your agent every day. (laughs) No, I never call them. Um, when, when Tracy started with Talent Unlimited somewhat recently, um, she said, hey, I'd love to go to lunch sometime. So that's why we're going to lunch today. But otherwise, I do not bother my agents. I respect the fact that people are busy. You're busy. She's busy. Everybody's busy. So anytime I send an email, it's, it has to be for a reason, and it's brief. Because if you don't, you're not respecting someone's time. But anyway, all that I know is that you guys must have sifted through the auditions, heard some voices. Maybe you narrowed it down to top five. I honestly don't know how you chose me. I appreciate it. But I just sent the audition and forgot about it because that's my job. I do my best, give it to you, you make the choice. I'm grateful that I got the account. And but it was, what happens after that? Explain the steps. Oh, okay. Um, they just basically said, hey, you got the job. When can you record? Oh, we didn't do callbacks or anything? I don't remember there being a second round. If there was, then I just sent in another one and forgot about that it again. That's probably you working with me, Well, to be honest. When we did our the very first session that I recorded, I know you directed yeah. me because I remember that. Yes. But all that I know is I send in the audition and I find out if I got it. I hear nothing if okay. I don't, usually. And that's the way it works. Um, there's not a whole lot of process because a lot happens that I don't know about behind the scenes. You know, you're exactly right. But it's totally up to you guys what what you want, what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in that case, you were looking for a female, so that was one of your requirements. But um, anyway, so if if my voice fits the brand and what you're looking for, there you go. Do you ever do on-camera work? No. Or have you ever? I have done 
one commercial and two print shoots. But it takes a lot of time. It requires me to leave my house <laughs> and also look nice. So I would rather not. I would rather just, I can do so many different jobs during the day from my home, just back to back to back to back to back. That's more profitable for me as a business owner. So that's typically the route that I want to take. You're really treating this like a business. For sure. Which you have to, don't get me wrong. Um, would you pass up though like a print gig? Um, no, it just depends on it. I would look at the rate. I would okay. say, is the rate worth me not being in the studio for a day? Um, okay, here's one. What if the rate wasn't good, but the exposure was great? See, that's... And or <laughs> the rate isn't good, but Colgate needs something done now. If it was a brand like Colgate, I would expect the rate to be good. <laughs> First of all, if the rate is not good, it's probably because it's a smaller company and they just have a smaller budget. But I do look at this as a business and I have passed on stuff before. Um, to me, I'm not really worried about the exposure because I feel like I'm already out there. I've been in this business, this is year nine, and I have a, a very big client base. So even if a client drops me tomorrow, it's not going to affect my bottom line because I will go out and get another client. I mean, you just have to look at it that way. Um, I think the, the one commercial I did was very fun, but it did take all day. It took me eight hours. Yeah, they do. And that is not how I usually do business. I usually make money a lot faster <laughs> than that. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. And I met people, and I had a great experience. But I just don't know that I'm that good at it anyway. It was a non-speaking role. <laughs> I played a mom. I know how to do that. Because <laughs> you look like you would be really good on camera. Well, I appreciate that. It's a very nice compliment. And you would be just, a really good print model. You know. I'm sure can, you've been told that. But like you said, hey, if I could stay in my basement and, and, and make the monies, then I probably would too. I'm here to support my family at the end of the day and have a yeah. flexible lifestyle. And that's what I'm after. In fact, I, I want no part of any fame or glory. I just love what I do. I can understand that. But it was really fun at your, at your party, the Christmas party, when um, the gal who has the account came up to me and was like, you're the voice of 7th Street Casino? It was a, it was a very special moment. I felt so cool, and I usually <laughs> never feel any of that because it's a very non-glorious job. It's not as flashy as it appears. Uh, no. So. Um, I'm going to rewind that thought, though, because there was a time it, bringing you in studio, if we were to have you come in studio, it is, it's a different feel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say working, doing it remotely, I don't think the product suffers at all. But there's an energy when there's a live editor in the room myself oops sorry and you're on the other side of that glass and I can see you and you can see me and we all know there's a mixing board there's something about that um, you've been doing this Tim for a long time I mean there's something to be said about producing audio live that's just a little bit different than when you do it through yeah, absolutely. I do think it's a it's it's a lot more obviously personal. Just you know, because you have it that is. connection. And if I'm trying to um, communicate something, it is 
easier to to look right at somebody's face and say something mm-hmm. rather than hitting a button, hoping you can hear me, hoping I'm not, you know, because I, I, you know, you just don't know yeah. on that other end when she's hearing me through a, a speaker, you know, and she's in a different town. And uh, but you know, you're right; it doesn't suffer. I also hate to work. discount how I came into the industry and and what that craft and art still that still, still exists um, of doing stuff in studio um, is like. Uh, we worked at a small studio over there in Kansas. I forgot the name of it. We had never worked there before. What the heck was it? Oh, never mind. Let's not do that. Um, but anyway, so no, I mean, I agree with you 100%, Tracy. But there is something kind of sexy on the production side of it, on the advertising side of it, working in a studio. It's definitely fun. It is fun. But so many of my clients are nowhere near me. Oh, no, I get it. I but get yeah, it. working with you guys in studio, I think we did two or three sessions together in person. Um, but it was an hour drive for me, and then the yeah. session didn't take very long. So I was like, it's just not time efficient. And I would have done it if I had to, but because you guys were willing to work with me remotely and because I was so used to it, if, if a voice talent does not know how to use the equipment, the connection, mm-hmm. how to do the technology side of it, it's a train wreck. Mm-hmm. You can't work with that. So that's why it's very important for the voice talent to understand the technology side of things so that we can duplicate as much as possible the studio experience. And that's another big shift because, you know, when I started in this industry, that was not something you had, shouldn't have knowledge of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were expected to just not touch anything. Correct. Why would you? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, you're separated by glass and you're in a different room and there's a guy with a mixing board or there's a human with a mixing board sitting there that is doing that for you that I'm directing or someone else is directing. But the disadvantage of that is for people that live in remote areas, we don't have that kind of access right. that a um, a metro bigger city person would have, and it would cut us off from those opportunities mm-hmm. because my lifestyle would not allow me to go into a studio for every single time I have right. a session because I have sessions literally every day. Do um, you really? Yes. I had yours yesterday, and then I had an iHeart uh, one that was several spots together. I'll have at least two or three recording sessions, and then I have various things that I record on my own that are not directed. So I had some of those yesterday too, and that makes up my workday, as well as you know answering emails, giving quotes. Um, sometimes I'll do some marketing, but I, I haven't really had to do that in quite some time because I'm my schedule is so busy recording. Wow. Good but in the you. beginning, you know, you got to look at that as your job when you're establishing a business. Mm-hmm. Marketing is your job. You're very good at marketing. I like people. Um, let's talk about that. I was going to go there later, but let's do that now because I'm. Uh, I was pretty, not pretty. I'm really impressed with the way that you you self market, and I don't see anything like it nowadays. Well, what do you mean? You don't see people marketing their business. Mm, I don't see people marketing themselves. I don't see people going out of their way to make a personal connection to further their business. I mean, it's a solopreneur. It's a job in and of itself. You know, that's a huge aspect of what we do. If we say nothing about ourselves, who will? Mm -hmm. And solopreneurs typically don't have the cash flow like a large company to hire out the marketing 
as much as it would benefit us. And, you know, sometimes people get a manager and the manager will hire, you know, they'll get them jobs, but they take a pretty big percentage for that service. So to keep as much money in my pocket as possible, self-marketing is the best option. But to do that, I have to understand where's the business going to come from and who do I approach and how do I approach them? That's one of the biggest mysteries for people that want to get into this industry or they just are like, man, I don't want to market at all. But I love it because to me, it's just a way to build relationships. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known you without the job that I have, but I love the fact that we've, you know, I've built a relationship with you and Tim since I've had the account. I think we got, I think we must've been in 2020 because we went into the studio while, you know, I remember everybody was masked up and everything. So it had to have been 2020. So over those, over that time period, it's been such a joy to get to know you guys, um, build my relationship with Talent Unlimited. I think I've been with them probably since 2015 or 2016. You meet so many great people. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at marketing through that lens of building relationships, not what's in it for me. Great book, Joe Polish, if you haven't um, heard of that one. I saw his interview with Marie Forleo and started listening to a book that he wrote called What's In It For Them. Fantastic. He speaks my language. It's just about relational, uh, doing, doing business relationally and looking at what does the other person need out of it. Not what do I need? What do I have to have to run my business? Mm-hmm. So another great book to listen to if you're a, um audible consumer. You know, it's, it's, we had someone on here recently. His name's Nick Kagan. He works at um, uh, Trinity Animations. He works on the show Archer. Mm. He does the background animations. Very cool. Yeah, he is. He's an awesome dude. And he said... In order to get where he is, he did just exactly kind of what kind of what you're saying. He went and found out what people want from him and did what they want. Mm-hmm. Or what are the people doing that he wants to work for and then did what they're doing in terms of style of his animation and then, you know, went that way. Um, like if you found, you know... There was a big niche for, we talked about character voices. If you found there was a big niche for character voices, you would orientate yourself that direction Mm -hmm. and capitalize on that market. Um, But, you know, you do, you you showed up at our Christmas party. You stayed the whole time. You stay in touch. You're very personable. You leverage your social medias a lot. Um, I think that's very important, especially for someone, solopreneur. Yeah, social media is hard. It's, it's hard to know, you know, people don't know what to post. People don't know how often to post. I think social media, when it became popular, it, it opened a huge door for businesses, but mm-hmm. it also became a stress point that none of us had had before. But I, I didn't get introduced into it until, you know, I became a business owner after it was at its height. But I do think, um, Social media, the way I look at it is Instagram and Facebook are a way to just let people see a slice of my life, let them get to know me for me. Um, But LinkedIn is what I use to promote my business persona, like the businessy side of me, the more buttoned up professional side. Because all of us have many different types of people and hats that we wear every day. You're, You're yourself no matter what, but... The people on LinkedIn are not going to be as interested in my personal life as they are about my professional life. Correct. So that's that's the social media platform that I focus the most on for that reason. 
I'll never forget there was a man named um, Richard Fatherly. We used to call him Dick, Dick Fatherly. He had a big, booming voice. He did the Buffalo Coin commercials, Mm. if you remember those at all. I don't. But he had an enormous voice, and he would call me. He'd call me once a quarter. I would get a phone call, and this was when I was working for my father. So I was flattered that he would call me, let alone any, you know, and, and... just want to say hello and stay in touch. And if you ever have a project, remember I read them for free. And it just, it was amazing. And he also taught me how to write for the talent. Oh, because he had a booming voice. Are you hot? Yes, it's, we've had the door closed. It's um, all good. Well, no. Um, I have layers. And I learned then that, like, for him specifically, if it was a 30 second spot, you had to write it at 22. Okay, because he took a little bit longer to read it. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget, I forget what studio I was in, physically in studio. I was in my early 20s working with him and asking him to speed up. And he jokingly, but not jokingly, said, I don't speed up. This is how I read. Hmm. <laughs> so I, you know, and I was like, okay, makes sense. And you know, my superiors at the time were like, you hired Richard Fatherly. What would you expect? I'm like, it's... <laughs> That's the voice, you know. It's fun to talk to those people on the phone because I, I have like a normal person voice, right? But those, uh-huh. those guys with the big, boomy voices, they're really kind of fun to have conversations with because mm-hmm. when I go to conferences, there's a lot of those guys. So I, I actually love that. But um, yeah, I mean, I actually think it's, it's one of our jobs to be versatile, um, I've had to read stuff super slow to fit time, and I've had to read stuff super fast to fit time. But, um, you know, as, as the industry progresses, I think versatility is one of the most important things we can present to our clients is I can read fast naturally and I can read slower naturally. And it won't sound like I'm reading too fast or it won't sound like I am reading too slow. Mm-hmm. You know, that versatility and keeping that conversational tone, no matter which speed you're at, I think it's really important for the client. And you're still hitting every syllable. <laughs> I can't even help it. I'm not even trying to. <laughs> it's perfect. Okay, so I was on your LinkedIn. What is Edge Studio? Oh, um, that's who I trained with when I first started. Um, it's in New York City, and they just they do everything remotely. So I even recorded remotely for when I recorded my demo. Um, I did. I did not have a good quality studio at the time, so I went to a Kansas City studio. But yeah, I mean, you have to train somewhere. What did training involve? Um, it's a lot of listening, taking in the information, writing notes, understanding genres, understanding performance tips and business tips. I love to learn about both. I go to conferences for the voice acting industry every single year. Usually, I'm a speaker. I'll be speaking at one in Cancun in five weeks. I know. They're paying for me to go to this resort and paying me to speak. And it's awful. I know. <laughs> I'm really excited. Usually all this stuff that I do is stateside, so this is my first international conference. Anyway, that's coming up. And then um, voiceover uh, VO Atlanta is the largest voiceover conference. It's coming up in March. I'll be speaking on the, at that, and I'm on a panel, and I'm leading a three-hour workshop. Wow. Well, people want to know about marketing. And I have kind of figured it out at this point, and I use LinkedIn. So everyone's like, how did you grow your business? How did you get where you are? You know, 
I'm happy to share that information with people. Did they approach you for this or did you come to them with that idea? Or did um, you ask them if you could do I spoke at my first voiceover conference two years into my business. Um, it was one of those sort of peer-led, off-the-cuff, more casual. And I went ahead and signed up to present. And it was a packed room. And everyone came up to me after and wanted this and wanted that and wanted to keep in touch. And I had several people ask if I would do a review of their LinkedIn profile. And I would. And I kept doing them for free. And then I was like, I cannot keep doing this for free, even though I really like you person over here. Um, so I, I realized that it was sort of something that was in demand and I decided to make a course out of it because I'm a busy mom. I'm a busy voice actor. Even at the time when I was young in my career, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel that there was no way I could continue to do all this work. So I created something that I could sell and it's, and I have it, um, housed at the, the LinkedIn edge.com. And I have two courses. I have, <clears throat> I branched it off into two because the principles that I teach really apply to any entrepreneur, but then I specialize in voice acting. So I sell two different courses. So the LinkedIn edge is for anybody who's an entrepreneur and works in the gig economy and the VO edge, which is, they're all on the same website. Um, that one specific, specifically for voice actors. And where can people find that? The LinkedInEdge.com. And what's the other one? The VOEdge.com. Okay. But they're all on the same. You can get to both from this from the LinkedIn Edge. Okay. Uh, they're put together because people had such a hard time distinguishing what's for what, and I still can't. You know, at this point, I can't change the name. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just I began to monetize that aspect. It's like a it's almost like a side hustle or a side gig, but it's it it's all wrapped up in how I got to where I am because. Direct marketing can be really scary for people. It can be people have no idea how to use LinkedIn properly. They have no idea how to write the about section for one thing. Um, everybody copy pastes their resume half the time. <laughs> if you've done that, don't do it. <laughs> Writing in first person, just having that you know relational aspect as much as possible on your LinkedIn profile is key. Um, so I've I've. Um, ended up monetizing that, but only because it originally started just because I had no time. So I had to create something that was apart from my personal time that I could just direct people to. So I launched that in 2017 and it's still going great. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So when people found out about that, they were like, hey, you need to come speak at our conference. And I love people and I'm a personable, fun, have a personal, fun teaching style. So I keep getting asked back. I don't know. <laughs> do you do anything paid? Are you paying, like, are you doing any good AdWords or any... Uh, no, I don't run ads. All organic? Everything. Everything organic. you do is organic. Okay. To tell you the truth, when I go and speak at conferences, that's some of the largest uh, selling points that I have for my course. It's unintentional, but again... Passive selling. Well, yeah, uh -huh. because I'm up in front of people, right. and I can only give them what I can give them in 55 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I'm out of here. I got to go to my next, you know, which, which has over. the best part. You want them wanting more. Well, and I, I give as much value as I can, but it's too complex to describe in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And people need to visually see me going through, you know, the screenshots and the, I do walkthroughs and I, I have, okay. I do screen capture. It's a mix of little fun, raw, raw introductory videos. Like here's what you're about to learn. Yay. And then next is, um, you know, sometimes I do like a slide presentation where I'm talking over it to give them information. And then a lot of it is me demonstrating it on LinkedIn and capturing that, um, hmm. 
in a screen capture. Interesting. You're very diverse. Well, I just naturally fell into it, honestly, but it's helped a lot of people. I hear people, oh, you know, I got this client because of what you taught me. Thank you. That really keeps me going. That's awesome. I mean, we all want to leave something behind when our lives have ended. Yes. I want to leave a legacy. I want to help other people. I want to help them grow their businesses. That's one of the main reasons this podcast has started. Really? Oh, yeah. We're all going to be dead in 50 years. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not a joke. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a morbid black comedy joke, but yes. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, ad campaigns have a shelf life. And I was talking about this with Loy Edge when he was on the podcast. And great campaigns. You hate to see him go. But that's, that, that's the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, versus these podcast episodes live forever. Yeah. And hopefully like microfilm 100 years from now, someone's going to come across your episode and learn from it. I hope so. Learn how it was done back in the olden times. You know? <laughs> um, what's World Voices? Uh, World Voices is an organization. It's a nonprofit that is just a collective of voice talent that want to learn, want to grow. Um, there's a conference coming up that's produced, that's put on by them as well in May, but they're not for profit. Um, uh, but we still have a great collective. I've um, submitted to speak at that one too. I would love to do that one. That's in May. It's in Orlando this year. Usually it's in Vegas. I would rather go to Orlando than Vegas anyway, personally. Uh, but uh, it's it's an organization that just helps people learn, and it's also kind of an educational place to make sure that people keep their rates, what they should be, don't accept super low rates because that kind of pushes everybody down into the ground. Um, so there's some like sort of VO rights <laughs> <laughs> movement going on, <laughs> but it's it's also just an organization. Are you in the, are you in the, the uh, union? Um, I'm actually non-union. I know that. Well, I'm I could be in SAG after I'm eligible to join, yeah. but I so much of my work is non-union. Yeah. It, it it can cut. Well, you can do both though. I can, and a lot of people do. They go FICOR. right? But um, I don't need the benefits because I'm on my husband's insurance. Okay. If he became an entrepreneur. I'd look into it, mm-hmm. but he works for a company right now that we just go through that. So usually people are concerned about benefits, retirement, that kind of thing. But since I already have that, I just stay non-union and I'm happy with it. Less hoops, but maybe what? one day less hoops to jump through. Oh. Um, <laughs> but if I were say working for Disney, Pixar, you know, whatever, like those huge animation sure. companies. Well, then you would flip union. I mean, yes, I absolutely you would. flip union for the right gig. <laughs> But That's a lot of that work is is in L.A. So right. L.A. and New York tend to be, they lean more sag after because that's the type of jobs that they're wanting. But so much of my work, I'm happy to stay non-union. Did you listen to the Loy Edge episode? Not that one, no. It's interesting. He did the voice. He was in Los Angeles doing the voice of Foghorn Leghorn cool. and um, Daffy, I think. I have him such sev- respect for those people. Him and several other people. But yeah, he's he's amazing. Okay, what's Voxy Ladies? Oh, you know, I think that one has actually gone by the wayside. I should probably take that off. But oh, that was a collective of know. voiceover ladies. Vox is kind of one of those uh, shortened voiceover terms. Mm. It's just short for voiceover. I, I liked it. I thought it was punny. I know, but I think it's kind of died. Why? But I don't know. People just go it's different a niche. ways. It, so it's voiceover, just female voiceovers. It's it was a collective of female, vo- and maybe maybe they still do conferences and stuff. I've I haven't really looked into. Oh, there it. was there was already an all female voiceover conference. 
there was they did two maybe. I didn't make it to them. Um, but I I love hmm. the idea of women gathering together. I just don't. I haven't. I didn't go to that particular one. I love that idea too. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one for men? Just out of curiosity. Not that I know of. That's weird. <laughs> I'm not starting one, so. Well, you. Can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Somebody else would have to start it, and they didn't. So that's all I know. Maybe your husband will. He doesn't do voiceover. He is the one person in the family who has. He's only had one paid job, and that was because they needed a single line. And so I coached him through it. But he cannot do voice acting. <laughs> but all four of my kids are in voiceover. They're ages oh, seven really? to yeah, seven to thirteen, and they all do voiceover. They're represented by agents too. You know, I wasn't even going to bring up your children because I don't think that's appropriate. But if you don't mind, well, I mean, a lot of people are curious about that because I guess. All right, what ages are they? Uh, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. Whew. Yeah. And they do go to school during All the day. All four of them are in... Yes, it's exhausting. <laughs> they have um, one e-learning client that's very regular, but then they just get like random stuff. All four of them have one client? The same client? That particular one, yes. Nice. They've all done work for them. They need different ages. I'm I'm a one-stop shop if people are looking for different ages What's of your kids. mix, boy, girl? I have... My son is the oldest at 13, and okay. then the daughters, the 11, 9, and 7-year-old are all girls. Okay. Um, the middle daughter, actually, the nine-year-old, she's in the sweet spot of when they they like to get kids to do like commercials and stuff. Uh-huh. Eight to ten is a lot of the the specs that I see that they're looking for. Before the voices get a little, just a little too tweenish. Yeah, tweenish. Uh-huh. That's that that works. Well, you need to know it's a child. Yeah. When it's speaking, because it's you're have five seconds to. You're less than that to register for your brain to register what you're what you're hearing, and it's just so darn cute. Kids' voices are cute, and they change so fast, and that's why there's such demand for them. Because as soon as they get a kid they like, the kid grows up. Uh-huh. Then they have to replace the kid <clears throat> on the animated <throat> series or whatever. Which is, I think, why so many they, they a lot of those shows do actually hire um, non kids. They're hiring adults that sound like kids. The ones with the high squeaky voices, uh, like even this. on camera. <laughs> what? Even on camera. How do you fool someone on camera into thinking you're a kid? Watch the Disney Channel sometimes. Some of those actors are in their twenties. Oh, like the the tween. I shows forget the, the name. Of, yeah, I forget the name of the show. If it was Sweet Life or uh, the Hillary Duff show that was on Disney Channel, one of the female leads in it was 31 years old. What? Yeah, and she was playing a high schooler. The more pertinent question is, why are you watching that? <laughs> well, this was a, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but research. I mean, um, just facts. Yeah. But I see where you're coming from. And that's why I actually get really annoyed when I see that. The older you go back into, you know, the age of making movies, it seems like they actually would get people that age. I was even watching, um, Oh, I, I had nothing better to do while I was on the treadmill. I was like, I need something to watch. So I was watching can't hardly wait from, what, early 2000s, mm. those people are actually the ages that their characters are within a couple of years because I Googled them all. <laughs> I like to do that. I was like, how old is so-and-so? Or I'll be, I'll be watching a movie cast of whatever. I always want to know the backstory. Uh-huh. It comes with the curiosity thing uh-huh. that you would totally relate to. But I really dislike when on camera they're portrayed, like an older person is portrayed younger because it totally negates the awkwardness of actually being that age. Like having the awkward body or 
uh, not having the confidence that it takes that you grow over the life experience. So I don't think it's fair. I disagree. You're hiring an actor. I know. Not a civilian pedestrian. But then the 14-year-old watching it, who the character is supposed to be 14 but is actually 19, is like, man, why don't I look it like that? Why don't I look that cool? And it's because they had five extra years. Yeah, but you want to portray something cooler than normal, cooler than reality. I guess. We can agree to disagree. It's fine. But I do think that having adults um, for those like animated series that continue on and on and on, I can see why they do that. Because why would you want to replace that character every three years? Because mm-hmm. really that's, I've seen in my own kids, my daughter that's 11, she made a, a demo when she was seven. She, t- she sounds totally different. Mm-hmm. So I'm always having to update my kids' demos. And it's that, again, is exhausting. It's the same thing goes with headshots. Yeah. Tim and I worked with someone last year, and when she came in, I, I, I forget her name, and if, if, even if I remembered, I wouldn't say it. Um, but when she left, we told her, you need to get new headshots. And then we called her agent and said, her headshots are underselling her. She is, you know, far and away above what she's representing. That's a good point. Oh, I mean, headshots, I mean, especially. Well, and demos and headshots. Or a lot of times I have to ask, hey, you know, um, looking at Tracy Lindley online, looking at her resume, she looks good for this this, uh, campaign I have coming up. How old are these? Good question. I can't tell if they're a year or if they're seven years. And they're like, oh, yeah, those are kind of old. I'm saying, okay, I, I thought so because I've seen it. You know, I've seen the same image for eight years on your website. Um, you know, can you have them literally take a selfie and send me one? Mm-hmm. And that's and you get it. Um, well, and when I do see print ads or auditions for print or commercials, they do say they want you to take a selfie against the wall. Mm-hmm. This, this, and this angle. So I've. You know, I've seen those yeah. come through, and I'll do that here. Is now. his hair still that color? Does he still have hair? Is yeah. her hair still long? Is it curly? Have they gained weight? It, Are they more wrinkly? <laughs> yeah, it's only fair that. to ask those questions because you're asking that person to represent your brand. Well, you have to ask those questions. It doesn't become about. It doesn't become an issue with PC or not. I'm doing yeah. a job here. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, the first time you heard yourself, hmm. can you talk about that? It didn't bother me because I'd been reading out loud to kids for so long. I was used to the sound of my own voice. But listening to myself being recorded was different. But I got over the initial shock because I worked at that cable company. And they one of the guys actually made me a very bad demo <laughs> at the time. Um, but he, he thought it was great. I thought it was great. But don't ever self-produce your own demos is the moral <laughs> of that story. Uh-huh. But anyway, I got over it quickly because it had already happened um, so by the time I was ready to start a voiceover career, it it wasn't shocking anymore. Which cable company? Uh, it's no longer in business, but it was Cablevision in St. Joseph, and okay. now it's Suddenlink. Okay. Okay. But I had I came down and did a job shadow with somebody that worked at Fox Four, but that was so high power corporate that I was like, this is not my scene. What's your mix of long format versus? Uh, solo, or not solo versus long format versus um, uh, short. I do mostly short. Mostly. Mostly. Um, even the e-learning I do is typically fifteen minutes or less. It's rare that I'll get something that's an hour. 
I would I'm, call I'm it 15 it. minutes long. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's definitely longer. And it takes more time to edit, so I give myself more lead time. Commercials, I can just churn them out quickly. Um, but yeah, short form mostly. So, so you keep bringing that. How much of your stuff are you editing yourself versus like yesterday, You we just edited it on our end? Yeah, but I did a rough edit while we were... Well, actually... Quinn was doing the editing on his end, but on my end, I'm keeping a backup file that I have also edited. Okay. So it's there in case Quinn says, hey, something didn't work out. Can you send me that? I have it. It's the exact same as what he has. But I do almost all my own editing. If I have something that is 30 minutes or more, I will a lot of times go ahead and farm that out. I'll outsource that to a couple of different editors that I have. That has to make you easier to hire and more attractive to a potential client than the uh, voiceover person who cannot? Well, I definitely want to be able to do it. And I will. I'll stay up all night if they have to have it. But I also have a a fantastic audio editor that I'll give them a heads up. I'll say, hey, Mm -hmm. do you have the time? I'm about to record this. Can I send it to you? And you can edit it, and it has to be back in by tomorrow at X, you know, 5 o'clock. And he'll be like, yeah, he's never turned me down so far. Cool. It's great to have people on your team. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have to outsource this or that periodically. For just like the stuff that doesn't take your creative touch. I don't know. Maybe Excuse you don't. me? <laughs> I mean, do we all really want to do our own taxes, for instance? No, I don't. I outsource that. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you ever done a group read? Um, no. If I'm going to do, I, I was in one where it was a dialogue between two people. It was all remote. Um, That'd be tricky. It wasn't bad because when you're on the but line. But with the dialogue, I can't see when you're going to. I didn't think it was any big deal, but I've always done remote work. I don't know any different. I have been in the studio, but I have never been in the studio where another person is also recording with me. I cannot think of an instance. Hmm. Okay. But actually, people don't ask me to come in studio anymore. Ever since 2020, yeah. I don't think I've been in a studio. Yeah, I'd be Which curious is a to shame. see. Yeah, it, it, it really is, and it'll be curious to see how this, how this works out. But it's great that I had already that background and that knowledge because I'd already been recording for six years remotely when COVID hit. <clears throat> so that was definitely an asset to my clients that I, nothing changed for me. Everything continued the same because I already worked from home. I already worked remotely and I almost never went into a studio, but when I do, I bring donuts. <laughs> Again, self-marketing. See? You leave an impression. Well, unless they're on a diet or gluten-free. Who cares? Then I'm in trouble. Someone's going to eat them. At yeah. least they know you brought them by. That's true. They can give them to their kids, throw them in the trash. But it, but it does, it's a gesture of goodwill. Yeah. And it's something fun and memorable. And it, everybody's, when I used to do it, it was, oh, that's so nice. And it was a fun surprise. Do you have a favorite voiceover gig of all time? Oh, man, that's a tough one. See, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. So I'm trying to sift through all of them. But I love working for 7th Street Casino. There's you don't have to say that. <laughs> I do though. There's so much energy. I get to read the fastest of anything I've ever read in my life. Cause otherwise Tim's like, Hey, that was great. More energy, faster. Okay, Tim, you got it. 
Yeah, actually, we, we need to just shave a second and a half off. That was really awesome, though. Do it exactly like that, but faster. I feel like I'm on Source Connect with you right now. I'm going to slow you down next month. You, well, you did. You did yesterday. He was like, okay, that was great, and now you can do it slower because we have breathing room. And I'm like, and I literally said, wow, Tim never says that to me. Well, and that was the good thing about <laughs> writing this. I knew there was going to be that breathing room. This, sure this time you did. Around, so. <laughs> I yeah. cut four words out of the script. Tim never cuts oh, words. I didn't tell you. Yeah. It I was, did it on they the were spot. Inconsequential. Um, no. Um, okay, actually, and we were talking about faith earlier. No, if that if that if that's it, Seventh Street's it, then that's well, it. Well, I like Seventh Street, okay. but I also love Passion Projects too. Um, I recorded three chapters of the Bible for an app called Her Bible that I love. Called what? Her Bible. Because I'm a person of faith, and so for me to read the Bible and it was distributed, it was all women's voices, multi-ethnic, exclusively female voices reading the Bible. So I thought that was very cool. So I have three books in the New Testament that I read. So for me, that was really special because I hold the Bible near and dear, and that's a sacred book for me. So to be part of that project, and it's still going, it's still distributed, and they had me be on their like a brand video on their website for a while. I think I'm still there, but they changed it to where I'm not reading the whole thing anymore. So again, I, and I can't remember if we were recording or not when I, when we were talking, but I'm shocked, not shocked, how often, <laughs> what, how often religion comes up. Well, on um, here. how often people bring up religion. So that's a, a big uh, pillar for you in your life. Absolutely. Um, it's not something I'm going to shove in anybody's face, but if you ask me my favorite project, I mean, other than casinos, I, I love reading the Bible. <laughs> I do Jesus feel like loves you, to gamble. I feel like we can have both in our world. Um, <laughs> I just, I just feel like there are some things that, you know, I have turned down a couple projects for moral reasons, but really, um, can yeah. You, can you say what they were? I don't really want to say. That's fine. Um, I, I'm not looking for judgment. I'm also oh. not looking to out anyone. But uh, if, if something doesn't feel right to me, I would like to not do it. I don't mm. care what the money is. I don't. Um, if at the end of the day I can't sleep well and I feel bad about something I've done, I don't want to do it. Um, because like you said, you know, it's a legacy. Once it's out there, it's out there. So I would rather, you know, that's why I stay away from a lot of political stuff. I don't actually like to do political ads it's not morally wrong. It's just that it doesn't feel good to me. So I don't like to go very political. I want to do things that bring me joy, that fill, fulfill my passion, and that at the end of the day, I, I feel really positive about. So how does your faith play in your day-to-day life? Um, I mean... And what faith are you? I'm just... I'm a Christian. I'm not a certain denomination. Okay. Um... But I would just say that the home I grew up in and, you know, from what I learned by studying the Bible over the past, you know, I'm 40 years old, I be, I feel like I grasped the faith at seven. So I'll just say I became a Christian at seven. So I started going to church, though, at a young age. We're taught to work hard. We're taught to treat people with kindness. The golden rule is a big part of my business today. Treat people the way that we want to be treated. Treat people with respect. Always think about their needs over your own, but, you know, don't get walked on. Um, I just think a lot of those 
hard, like those hardwired foundations of my life as a person of faith have definitely played into my business behind the scenes. Maybe that's why I get asked to go to conferences. Maybe the person I've become is someone that others want to be around because I'm positive. I try to encourage people and I'm such a cheerleader for others. I don't look at other voice talent as competition. I'm trying to bring them alongside me. I constantly refer people. I did it two days ago. I referred one guy that I'd met that has, he also has four kids and is doing, he doesn't do voiceover though. Only the kids do voiceover. But I referred him to one of my agents that immediately reached out to him because she needed kids. And um, I'm happy to bring others up. That whole, you know, rising tides. It's a bit cliche. No, it's not. You don't think so? No, not at all. I love to bring people up with me. Tearing people down serves me and them no purpose. So I won't live life that way. Mm -hmm. I won't be cutthroat. Um, That's one of the things that turned me off in when I was doing the internship with sales is that it seemed that you had to be in it for just yourself when it was like doing ad exec work. That may have just been my college age girl perception, but seeing that didn't feel right to me. So I was like, I can't do sales if it's going to mean stepping on someone else to put myself up the ladder. So that's why I love being a solopreneur because it's just me. I make my own rules. I run things the way I want to. And I and doing the LinkedIn marketing teaching is huge for me in sense of that sense of fulfillment and doing enough that's beyond um, just, you know, self-gain. Can I ask a part of your revenue and just say no, that LinkedIn marketing is versus your voiceover work? Um, I'm not a math person, but it might be less than 5%. Okay. Just curious. I was thinking about that the other day, actually, too, because I don't want to say numbers, but I've become very successful. I made my first six-figure income in 2018, and it continues to build. But as only a small percent of that is is LinkedIn, the core sales themselves. But you can't measure the relationships that you get out of it. And I've met so many awesome people. What's a LinkedIn? What would one of your courses cost? Um, I price it at two ninety seven, but I always have a weird number. Uh, you know, somebody told me that it needed to be a weird number, right? <laughs> two ninety nine. You can't say three hundred dollars. It sounds too big, too big, and too expensive. Two ninety nine makes sense, but two ninety seven. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay. it works. But I always have an evergreen coupon that's save fifty. And uh-huh. people can put that in at checkout. That works all the time. And I run an end of year sale, and um, it's a hundred dollars off but the now course. Now I have to wait eleven months for that. Now I know it just passed. Forty six people bought the course. In so how, one what, month. how many hours do I or what do I get? Um, what do you get? You get two hours of content, and I try to guard the person's time very, very tightly. So I edit those. It's seven modules of content but they're edited into these little tiny bite-sized lessons. I think the longest one I have is maybe 13 minutes, but most of them are very short. It gives you practical tips that you can use to say, oh, I'm going to go improve my LinkedIn profile now. I want to watch it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to do it. You can do it however you want. You can watch them all and then do it, but I do recommend kind of doing the change as you go. But some of them you kind of, you have to watch the whole module and then go do it. And then it has a lot of bonus downloads and stuff, but one of the most valuable uh, pieces that I give people as a PDF bonus download is a cheat sheet of a cheat sheet of search terms. 
So that's like, as a voice talent, I'm looking for e-learning work. So I need to have the job titles of people that, that hire voice talent for that. Okay. So that way, you if you're a voice talent, you go to mm-hmm. LinkedIn, you plug it in the search stuff, and you find who you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Same goes for commercials, um, IVR, which is like telephony, like the phone systems, because that's a whole nother non-sexy genre that a lot of people make their living from. On hold message, on hold messaging. You mean? Yeah. Or what is IVR? In um, interactive voice recognition. So they'll press one. For this, press two for that. We are we are not here, but call back tomorrow. You know all that stuff. Somebody's got to do that, right? But that's big. Oh, some people make. I know one person that makes their exclusive living almost entirely from IVR. Really? It's not my jam most of the time. I'll do them and I have fun with them occasionally, but it's a little. You can't have as much sparkle with that. You kind of have to well, do it one way. Yeah. Commercials are so fun because you get to have all the moods. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. It, to me, those all those IVR recordings are like something that's done once every seven to ten years. Well, <laughs> it's that, hard to think of it as steady work, but yeah, it's. it's but I guess now, especially in the past two to three years, I'm sure it's more in demand. Well, and if you get a big company, people leave. They need to change their voicemail. That's true. Yeah, they change yeah. the options because they add something. Mm-hmm. So it's good um, job security. You should call CVS or Walgreens and try to get that dude off. <laughs> One of my friends does, I think, CVS, and she's a girl, so she must be doing a different part. I know. Maybe it is. A, wait a minute. Maybe it's, maybe it's Walgreens. I don't know. I don't call. Is it, is it not, a, not a voice you like to listen to? <laughs> I don't know who, it, who that is. I don't it's know. It's just very, as it should be, it's just very it's robotic. Kind of, kind of straightforward, yeah. But it needs to be. Because it, you know, a eighteen-year-old needs to understand it, and a ninety-eight-year-old needs to understand it. Yeah, I always. And we all to, hear different things. I think you got to bring a little fun to whatever you're doing, though. It's probably um, why I don't book a lot of that stuff. It's just not fun. Can't blame you. Worst VO gig, and I don't mean in terms of client. I mean like, tell me, you know, they flew you here, and the bag didn't show up, and the audio wasn't working, and you had to wait three hours before you could even record, or. Or something funny, or mm. Michael. Sorry, I don't have that story. Well, because I do so much of my stuff in house, I I <laughs> don't have those issues. I mean, I I have occasionally had the interruptions with some guy with a buzz saw in my basement, like yesterday. There's but that. you didn't hear it, but I heard it, so I had to say, "Hey, we got to do that again." Mm. So I have had a, a kid come. I was recording at um, for iHeart, and there were some very high up people in the company that were joining us for the session mm-hmm. and a kid a kid came blazing in like it was my BBC moment remember that guy that was oh. on the oh my gosh that <laughs> yeah. was the funniest moment on the internet to date in my brain is that guy all professional in his office on live international television uh-huh. and his kid comes busting uh-huh. in on the on the little play saucer thing uh-huh. and mom's running after him <laughs> like a boss this kid just that was my favorite moment of the internet but um my kids have barged in one time and the client did not notice because I immediately muted me because I was on Zoom with this particular client. Uh-huh. So thank God I had a mute button. <laughs> and then, and I think they kept talking and they probably wondered where I went because I'm frantically, 
you go back upstairs, keep watching Bluey, whatever it was, <laughs> you know, you can watch anything you want. Just go away. <laughs> I don't care what you do. Yeah. Don't come back for 10 minutes. So that was when my kids are younger, but because I've done this since the young or since the oldest was five, they've all grown up around it. They respect the fact that they cannot bother me. Mom's in the closet. (laughs) If you are dying because you fell out of a tree and your arm is broken, I will help you. But otherwise, you better go. I actually have a friend that took, he was helping me do some (laughs) editing, and there was at one moment, a kid comes downstairs when I'm (laughs) recording the e-learning, and it's all on my own, so no client is there, but Uh on the file that I gave him, it was completely raw, so Uh he can hear me go, I'm recording, do not come (laughs) down, because I'm in the basement, and he took it and made it like this mix, so it's dun, 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 I'm recording, do not come down, dun, dun, like it's, you could, you could club to this song. So that, you know, I just turned anything that's that could be potentially uh, damaging <laughs> into a funny moment. <laughs> I have learned as a mom to pivot quickly. So I can't think of a horrific story because I won't allow it to get there. Amen. <laughs> you got to take whatever life hands you. Sometimes. Figure out a way to turn it around. You do a good job at that. Thanks. I have fun. Life I can is, tell. Life is a journey. Life is a highway. That's right. Um, do you watch your hearing? Um, yeah. I mean, I want to make sure that my music's not too loud. I don't actually attend a lot of concerts just because yep. I'm not really a concert person. It just takes so much. It's My husband doesn't love concerts. But anyway, so yeah, concerts are potentially damaging. I do think about those things. I watch the volume when I'm listening to something, especially with my AirPods. So, yeah, it matters. Because you, um, working with your own audio and doing your own editing, you're in what we call cans. You're wearing headphones a lot. I usually do because I really want to hear if I make a mouth noise. I'm very precise when I edit. And I think mouth noise is so annoying. So I be sure to get that out. Do you have tinnitus or anything? No, that's whatever that is. Ringing in the ears. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I was like, which one is that? No, I don't struggle from anything like that. I did have, my clients would tell me that I had sibilance, which is when your S's are coming through too too much like that. So I went to my dentist and I actually ended up getting um, veneers on the front four teeth because the gap in my teeth was such that... I could not fix the sibilance without getting veneers. Really? I know. But I'm very happy with them, and they don't look anything like unnatural. No, you have a beautiful smile. Okay. So just that very slight, slight degree of thickness allowed your tongue less room to make that I think it was slithering. <laughs> I think they were too far apart. I think that there was oh, yeah, it, the front teeth were not closed enough because I didn't have braces as a kid. I just had a retainer, which is the cheap way to do it. And my parents just didn't. But you had a gap? It was, it was enough of a gap. You couldn't notice it until I got behind the mic. Hmm. So I had enough. I had, I had this one guy. Not, not everybody complained about it. But I had, I had one guy complain pretty consistently. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't being a jerk about it. He, he was just very, very precise. But um, I have not heard one word since I got them done about a year and a half ago or so. 
Oh, cool. So I did it. I mean, I could care less whether people appreciate the way that I smile or not, but my clients were complaining. So I bought it and wrote it off as a tax deduction because it was literally a business decision. So that's, that's <laughs> weird. That's a weird thing to get for your business, right? Yes, I needed veneers for my job. But seriously, it was a problem. How did you know that was the solution? I had tried so many different things. I had repositioned the mic. I had changed angles. A lot of times mic positioning is a big deal. Um, that's another thing that a voice talent has to learn is don't speak directly into the mic like this. And you have pop filters going on, which is great because otherwise we'll pop those P's and it just sounds really annoying to the ear. Those are called plosives. But um, mic positioning wasn't working. I knew all of my equipment was solid. I only use Mogami Gold cables. And, um, you know, I have these Megami gold cables too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> From now on, he... we only use Megami gold cables <laughs> on this podcast. After this, you're going to order Megami gold the cables. Ones. You only have to have them if you're a voice actor or like a world famous. Don't musician. tell him. I don't... <laughs> hey, if you want to buy them, they have a lifetime warranty and they're, they're, they are more expensive, but you don't have to change them out unless you like kink the cords. But then I think, I don't know what their warranty covers. So, oh no, don't know. He's sensitive about it. But anyway, I had tried everything. And so that's how come I knew there was an issue and it was my body that was the issue and not my equipment. So I was like, I'm going to fix this because I am here to give my clients 120 So how do you end up at the dentist for that? Because I asked my dentist. I, oh, okay. You asked him. Yeah. He, I was like, what do you think about this gap? What can we do? And he'd already been doing different things. Like He said four out of five dentists recommend I don't <laughs> veneers for a... We, we had a consultation. What's it called? A, what, what was it called? The diagnosis? Uh, sibilance. Sibilance. Yes. But anyway, so that's what we came with. And it is a weird process. They basically like file your teeth down mm. to these creepy looking points, which mm. I have a picture of. Ooh. And it's a bit painful, but I have a high pain tolerance. So I was like, yep, bring it. And it was done. And I've never had to think about it since. Because before I was like, am I saying my S is too S? Is it, am I sounding like a snake over here? And I was always worried that someone was going to come back and complain because I did have people do that. <coughs> so Excuse the me. extent that we will go, you know, I'm not sure what hand models have to do to maintain those beautiful hands or, I mean, I'm sure models have to do weird they stuff with gloves. their body. They don't wear gloves mm -hmm. all the time. Not all the time. I met one once. They wear them at night, maybe. Uh, and she would Lotion wear a glove. while they're sleeping. More so than often. Interesting. I've yeah. never been a hand model, so. Uh, I once heard that, uh, what is it, Tom Brady's wife, uh, Giselle, mm -hmm. that her, her legs are insured. Oh, I'm sure I don't that's know right. if that's true or not. Um, I think so. Because but I've heard her legs are insured for like $11 million. Yeah, because people have talked on the Facebook forums about insuring your voice, and the conclusion is that it's way too expensive. It's not worth Can you worth do that? Yes. Yes, you can. Really? Yep. And it's, I, it's I mean, thing. of course it has to be expensive. But. Well, I mean, I just, I wrap mine up in life insurance, but I mean, I could insure my voice if, if I really thought it was worth the amount of money that I would pay in premiums, hmm. but I don't, but it, yeah, you can insure whatever you want. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the wheels are turning in your head. I can just yeah, they were. <laughs> um, Tracy, this has been a lot of fun. I don't really have too much else. Do you have anything else? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we've covered the gamut of topics today. 
Well, we could probably go longer. What time is your lunch? Uh, noon. Oh, then you have to get going. I didn't realize we'd been talking this long. Um, Do all your people tell you that it's just really easy to talk to you? Because it is. No, they don't. Well, I would But they be don't the first say the thing. opposite. Well, that's good. <laughs> so thank you. They don't want to hurt your feelings. No. So thank you. No, I want this to be, you know, this should be, that's, I hope that's what it is. I hope that people come here and they have fun. And I hope that they enjoy telling the story, their stories, whatever it is, and sharing um, so that the people on the other end can, can do the same. I hope so, too. I think you're doing a great you job know, over here. Well, thank you very much. You know, this is your time, and this is what I want everyone to have a platform on here. Um, I have access to a lot of people that impact our local ecosystem, not just in Kansas City, but, you know, here and beyond. And I think other people should hear these stories. Absolutely. And get to know these people. People are going to learn, you know, if someone's in the voiceover realm or thinking of that and they come across this episode, they're going to learn from it. I hope so. They're going to call you. They can't do that. And I want a commission. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a resource page um, on my website because I've gotten so many people contacting me saying, how do I get into voiceover? And I can't like give you the whole spiel. So what I do tell them is go to my website, tracylindley.com slash resources. And anybody can see this fantastic list of items that I have put together of articles, podcasts, blogs, all kinds of great stuff where they can learn how to get into the voiceover industry. And that's tracylindley.com? Yes. And there's no E in my first name, just in my last name. So T-R-A-C-Y, and then my last name is Lindley, L-I-N-D-L-E-Y.com slash resources. Or if you just want to get to know me, just don't put the resources part in. That's my website, tracylindley.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming by. It's been a blast. Let's shake hands and get you out of here. All right, let's do it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on fasonipartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks. Thanks.